Good morning. Good morning. He's back. <laughs> All right. Today, we want to continue with the series, Ties That, Ties that Bind. Talk about two uh, um, two women that are show up quite a, quite a bit of the time and look at Jesus' relationship with that with them. Um, let me start by reading the passage. We're going to be speaking from. Um, Luke chapter 10. Actually, I think I have it for you. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And so, I, I entitled this piece, uh, Martha and Mary, Two Women Beloved by Christ. And we're going to look at what that means to be beloved. And, and look at the different ways in which God loves us. And, and there's, and Martha and Mary present two different versions of who God loves the same and not better or worse. And I think what happens in this story often when I, even when I was reading the commentaries and trying to get ready, people want to make one better than the other. I'm not real confident that's how that should roll. So let's listen to it. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was worried over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't seem, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits? While I do all the work, tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take her away. So now I... I was thinking about this. Now, I really ain't up here to offend women. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm outnumbered in my house four to one. Could be bad if I mess this up. I'm, I am going to ask you to presume this, that this, the way Jesus handled Mary and Martha would be the same if she was handling Mike and, and Billy if he was handling Mike and Billy the same way. It just so happens that Luke's gospel covers um, and has more of Christ's interactions with women than the other gospels. And and I could do some politics about that. I won't. I could do some gender about that. I won't. I could do some race about that. I won't. This later be said that I think Jesus would have responded to two men, two brothers, the same way he responded to the two sisters. And I think that 
I'm not going to pitch this in a psychological way and try to tell you that Martha's firstborn and and Mary's youngest might be my perspective. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and talk to you about the fact that these are two people that Christ, actually three people that Christ loved dearly. But before we do that, I want to read something to you, because I think to be beloved, and it's the word I'm going to use today, has, it's a process. And once you're in it, you can't go backwards. And I was thinking about that. He loved Martha the same way he loved Mary, and he didn't think more of Mary than he did Martha. And in the story, he was just as tender with Mary. He was just as tender with Martha as he was with Mary, even though the language doesn't bear that out. So I started to think about where I might see that. And I decided to read you something from the Velveteen Rabbit. If you read the Velveteen Rabbit, put your hands up real quick. Let me see if I got some love in here. Velveteen Rabbit? All right. If you haven't read the Velveteen Rabbit, it's not really written for kids. It's written for you, adults out here. Anyway, the story has already started, and it's a story about mostly about the conversation that happens between a rabbit, a beat-up rabbit, and a, and a skinned horse who's really beat up. And they have conversations about this thing called real, which I'm going to equate to beloved, to beloved, or belovedness, as you will see. Jay. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than the, any others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath. And most of the hairs on his tails had been pulled out in, in, out of the string necklace. He was wise, for he had seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive and boast and swagger and by and by break their main, main strings and pass away. He knew they were only toys, and they would never turn into anything else. For nursery magic is very strange and wonderful, and only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced, like the skinned horse, understand all about it. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were laying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time. Not just play with you, but really loves you. Then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up? He asked, or bit by bit. And it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. And that's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easy or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. 
generally by the time you're real, most of your hair is loved off, your eyes drop out, and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things doesn't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to the people who don't understand. I suppose, I suppose real happened to, I suppose you're real, asked the rabbit. Then he wished he hadn't said it for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive. But the skin horse only smiled. The boy's uncle made me real, he said. That was many years ago. But once you're real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts always. Now, some of you still wonder, what's that got to do with the scriptures? Belovedness. I think that like what happened with the skin horse, belovedness, that quality that happened happens over time. I think these two ladies, as I look at the passage, Martha and Mary were deeply loved and deeply connected to Jesus and therefore to the Father. And what I'm asking you to think about when we look at these two two women is that both depict devotion and the tension through which devotion grows. And lastly, because belovedness happens over time, you have to have something that sustains you. And both of these women believe that Jesus is the Christ. See, I was trying to look at the story and try to figure out, do you want to be like Martha? Or do you want to be like Mary? Let me, let me tell you why I asked that question. When I first look at the story, Mary, I thought was the picture of right. You agree with me, Janice? <laughs> she said, I shouldn't even shook my head. <laughs> I thought Mary was the picture of right. Jesus even says, but I'm not so convinced that's true. I think they're both pictures of right. One's a picture of right in that I make the decision and I move through the tension and I decide to land on this side of tension. And Mary decided to land on this side of tension, which was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm not so convinced Martha is a knucklehead. I thought Martha was a knucklehead. I thought Martha was like Peter. Or something like that. I'm not so sure. I think Martha challenges us to be honest. I think she challenges us to to put our to 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 let our hands hang down and speak freely to the Father. If she speaks freely to Jesus. Yo, yo, Jesus, let me ask you something, man. I I just want to say something to you right now. Here's what I'm thinking. Isn't it true she should be helping me right now? I'm just saying. 
Now, that's an interesting thing in the context of the of culture, right? So in that time and day, women were not supposed to sit at the feet. It wasn't looked kindly on for for a woman to 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 sort of sit with the men to hear the teacher. That was tough to do. But I think that that Martha kind of wanted to do what Mary was doing. And she kind of wanted to do to take care of the house and get things ready and fix the meal. And another part of her wanted to sit. And another part of her needs to do duty. And another part of her said Jesus. Another part of her said duty. And she was caught. And unlike me, who would have just swallowed it and smiled. Yes, Jesus, I'm going to clean the house. You see Mary over there. I'm going to clean the house. That's what I would have done. And I swallowed it. I wouldn't have said, hey, Jesus, like, let's complain. I'm going to complain right now, dude, because I really don't like the situation here. And, and, and probably there would have been a wet, better way for her to do it. But so I, I, I contend they both loved the Lord and they, they both had things to learn over time. I'm also going to say that belovedness, as you see in your worship folder, is both simple and complex. Mary gives me a, the, the, the simple side of beloved. And, and why I say that is that you don't see the, the tussling that goes through. The story opens up. Martha greets Jesus. I mean, they come to Martha's house. Now, what's interesting about that is that Martha and Mary and Lazarus were homeboys of Jesus in them. They, they, they hung out. You know, I got people that come through town, and when they come through town, they drop in my house. Hey, man, I was in town, man. Can I come, can I come stay in your bedroom? Yeah, man, you, you good, man. Come on, stay in my bedroom, hang out. And then they come up and talk to me at 11 o'clock at night and eat my food out my fridge and, you know, mess up the bed and leave. And I invited Mike, my friend, over, he's 6'5", and he, he, he was running the tournament. He was like, I got to stay in the hotel. I'm like, man, you're tripping, man. You come stay at my house. I regretted that. 6'5". <laughs> now, he don't have a CPAP machine. I'm giving you a hint at what I had to deal with. Six five, two hundred forty-five pounds. <laughs> 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 My wife was like, "Jay, you should have got him. You should have paid for the hotel, dude." <laughs> he said, "I'm sorry, man. I, I think I got an apnea problem." <laughs> like, no, dude. You, you need to go see a doc right now. Okay, simple and complex, but what it's interesting because. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was those that family where Jesus came to visit. See, Bethany and Jerusalem, but they don't name the town, but Bethany and Jerusalem were close. And Jesus made lots of trips. And we see at least three occasions where they show up again. You know? And we see another occasion in, in John 11 where Jesus is doing something four days away. And here's Lazarus dies, and he's like, dude, I got to go. Now he shows up late, and Lazarus dies. He gets word four days out, Lazarus is sick, he might die. And Jesus doesn't get there on time. 
And Martha, she grumbles the same way. But they both grumble. Now, this time, Mary and Martha grumble. Lord, you know if you'd have been here, we know you're the Christ. We know who you are. We know we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if you'd have showed up. So Mary gives us a look, and you can presume, oh, she was deeply devoted, and she was the holy one of the two sisters. No, she wasn't. You didn't see. The story doesn't start with her struggle. The story starts with her. She settles her thing. She's, I think I'm going to sit here. Simple. I think I'm going to sit here. So we get to see the simple side. Simple is when it's done. Martha, on the other hand, gives us a complex look of, of the, of what devotion goes through to get to simple. So Martha shows us ambivalence. She shows us, I want to do this, but sometimes I want to do that. I know I should do this, but I really would like to do that. Now, I'm not going to even look now because I'm going to ask you a question. Some of you, none of you in here had that tension, right? I ain't even looking. None of y'all, just say amen if you got that tension. If you had it this morning, I can't hear you. Because if you didn't say amen, you lying to me right now. You lying in church. That ain't good. Okay? Complexity is, and, and, and we don't want tension. We don't want it. So we, we, we try to get rid of it. And we want to assume Mary, she got rid of her tension. No, she didn't. Cause now she's sitting with men and all the women looking at her funny. And they wonder what she's doing there. She didn't get rid of her tension. She didn't get rid of her tension. We just see her on the simple side of that. The complex side is Martha, she says, man, I mean, but really? Now, I will say this. It comes out of her a little crooked. You know, if, if she came to see me for counseling, we would have, she would have, she would approach Jesus appropriately. She said, dear Lord, I'm feeling tension. <laughs> and I am envious of Mary who is sitting at your feet. And I want you to know that there's a part of me that wants to do what's dutiful and take care of things. And there's another part of me that wants to sit at your feet. Can you help me under, can you help me out of my dilemma, dear Jesus? That's not how she came out. I came out of her. She said, Lord, see, when you're caught in tension, you do crooked stuff. So instead of that, she didn't want the tension, so she blamed Mary for it. Uh, Lord, I, and, and the text, now I read it in, in the, the New Living, okay? In the, in the NIV straight, it doesn't capture that. She doesn't say, Lord, do you, she doesn't say, Lord, how come you letting her sit at the table with you? She puts Jesus in a dilemma. She says, Lord, she wants him to say yes. So she says, Brett, I'm just saying. Don't you, wouldn't you agree that the right thing for me to do is play the drum? Wouldn't you agree with me? That's what she wanted. So she set it up just like the way most of us do. We go the path of least resistance. Nobody does that. 
here. Just me, right? Path of least resistance. Punk path. I call it the punk path. Nobody takes the punk path, right? I see some hands up. Punk path. Anybody take the punk path? The easiest way. Both simple and complex. I, I, if I'm making my point, I'm just saying Mary's simple because you, are, you don't see her tension. Martha's complex as she puts it out there. Now, what I love about Martha and what belies, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but what is important to notice is that Martha has enough of a relationship with Jesus to do what? To grumble. See, when you're with your best friend, the difference between an associate and a best friend is, with my best friend, I take the clothes off. I takes the mask off. I'm not, you know, I'm at USD talking to my friend Russ. And we're kicking it. He's from Chicago. I'm from Denver. And if you guys were listening to us, because most of you have the wrong color, okay, you wouldn't understand what we're saying. You know, because we're talking hip-hop. We're like, yo, dude, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. And people walking by us looking like this, you know. But we both have responsibilities. I'm a doc student, and he's a, a, a student assistant coach. So we're talking, 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 and one of his athletes shows up for track, and he, he changes. Travis, he changed on me. He turned into a white dude, like, right in front of me. <laughs> we was talking. Yo, dude, what's up? What, what, what? Mr. Johnson, he said, uh, yes, uh, can I help you with this? Uh? And he put on Hallmark. Like I, and I was teasing him about it until one of my graduate students came up to me, and he said, because um, I'm a student assistant, I was teaching a class as part of my doctor program. Uh, Mr. Chambers, and I said, yes, uh, we need to talk about, and then he was cracking up. <laughs> he said he was just laughing at me. I'm like, what happened, man? We just changed like that. Boom, boom. What? That's good. You know, that's what happens when you're with your friend. You relax. My best friends can call me on my junk. I, I expect it. And I don't, I don't, I don't go. Oh, oh! I can't even believe Mike said that to me, man. I'm all butthurt about it now. I got to limp around now because he, he said something and he shouldn't have said it. No, dude. I'm like, when he says something, I'm like, that's my dude right there. If he said it, I better listen to it. I, I take my, my mask off. Martha knew Jesus intimately. She didn't go, I, I, I wonder if I can tell him. She didn't do that. She went straight to him. Jesus, check it out, man. I got something to tell you, man. Like this thing here going on over here with this, my sister, you need to, you need to straighten this out, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. She came straight at him because she knew who he was and how he was. She knew he, she wasn't going to get no heat. She knew Jesus loved her. I also want to say this. To belovedness implies both a blessing and a curse. Both a blessing and a curse. I started to talk about that a little bit. Mary, according to even Jesus, 
in the time of that situation made a better decision than Martha. Now, I'm not really sure that. That's, that's how I read it. What I hear Jesus saying is, Martha, I hear you grumbling, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna ask Mary to move. She made her decision. I'm gonna stand with that one. And he said, you made your decision. And I'm right here with you. Mary made her decision. And, and for the time being, while she's sitting with Jesus, I was trying to think about that. And there ain't very many things I'm going to skip stuff for to go see. But I remember when, when uh, Firehouse was here, uh, DJ Madge, I don't know if anybody, anybody know who I'm talking about. No, nobody knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> DJ Madge and John Rubin and Pigeon John were showing up at the same place. And I, I had something I had to do. And I'm like, hmm. I think I'm going here. I think I'm showing up. And I made that decision. I can't be in two places at one time. So I had to tell somebody no and make to have a yes. The blessing and the curse of it. Mary, I think, risked ridicule and judgment. And back talking. And I think that would have been the same if it had been Bob. If Bob's job was to run the kitchen, he was sitting out with Jesus, people would be talking about it. So she made a decision like I did. She went to the concert. I'm going to sit at Jesus' feet. But she said no to something else. And later, the curse of that, in the moment, the curse of that hit her in the face. Because her sister's grumbling about her. Martha, blessing and curse as well. Martha authentically knew Jesus, but the blessing was Martha got to be herself with the king. Now, I'm asking you, Martha got to be her whining, grumpily, crooked self with the king. How many of you think you can't do that? How many of you walk around and try to hide the mixed upness in your spirit and in your soul from the Father? I ain't even look because I know it. That ain't something I need to know. It is something I want to ask you about. I don't need to know that. I don't want you raising your hand. All of us got things we don't want shown in the light of day. But the light of love wants to see and does see and is in judging you. See, here's the blessing from Martha. You guys hear us talk about this word helios. Martha got to experience Helio. She got to experience what it feels like to be crooked and mixed up in front of a God who is, doesn't waver and isn't insecure 
and won't reactively respond. See, I thought when it said, Mary, Mary, or Martha, Martha. See, I read that this way, that way. Martha, Martha, God, can't you get this? You're supposed to be sitting with me. Don't you understand what time it is? That's not the tone. In the, in the Greek, that's not the tone. See, when, when, when Luke was writing, if you wanted to show tenderness and sensitivity, you would say, Wanda, Wanda, twice. I would say your name twice when I wrote it. And the reader would go, oh, oh, that dude, that's love right there. That's tenderness right there. See, I think it got, goes more like this. I got a young girl that plays on my eighth grade team. She's a seventh grader playing on my eighth grade team. She's she's athletic and aggressive. In this particular game we're playing, Key's bringing the ball down, and this girl stole the ball from Key. I love Key. But Key got a foul problem. <laughs> she got a fouling problem. So the girl steals the ball from Key and takes off. I could see it in Key's eyes. She went, Oh no, that's my ball. That's, that's my ball, dude. For real, that's my ball. Key chases her down. Left side of the court, the girl's getting ready to turn for a layup and, and Lau wasn't there, but I know what Lau would have blew his whistle out of his mouth if he saw this. She gets ready to turn the corner, Lau. And Key, Key rears up with two arms and hits her. Bam! <laughs> Knocks her into the stands, into the wall at Augustana. The girl rolls on the floor. The other coach on the team jumping up and down. And I'm thinking, Key, Key, Key. I love you, Key. I say, Key, come here. She comes over. Now, Now you got to understand, she's a seventh grader. She comes over and what's me? <laughs> she comes over. I say, Key. She said, what? <laughs> I'm like, Key, 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 Key. You don't know what you did. She had my ball. She said, see, I said, Key, I said, Key, you can't do that. Like, you can't knock people down. She said, but she had my ball. I had to get it back. She said, I said, Key, she hit the floor into the wall. I know. I I, I pushed her too hard, she said. But I was going to get that ball back. Now, when I'm talking to Key, I wasn't thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to kill her. I mean, I'm thinking, Key, I love this kid. I can see in her eyes. She had no idea what she just did. And it wouldn't have been helpful for me to scream like a crazy man. I said, Key, come here. You got to sit down. Because if I don't sit you down, they're going to throw you out of here, Key. (laughs) She said to me again, what? She don't get it. So we sat her down. I said, Key, come here. Talk to me. I said, look, here's the deal. Every game, you sitting with me. Why? Why? Because I keep getting fouled, she said. I said, Key, I want you on the floor. I don't want you sitting next to me. So I put her back in because that's what you do. I put her back in. The same girl steals the ball. Key does this. The ball goes, she goes like this. Then she looks at me. I said, Key. I did like this, Key. 
She ran her down and got in front of her and did like this. I said, then I clapped. Gee, yeah. She said, did I do right, coach? I said, yeah, that's what we need. Okay. I think that's the spirit with Mark. Martha, Martha. He said, Martha, I love you, girl. You got to understand, I love you. I'm glad you're bringing it to me. You said it the way you needed to say it. Now, let me help you. Let me clarify for you what's going on here. He didn't say, you need to put that sinfulness away. You need to put that selfishness away. He didn't say that. What are you putting away? What aren't you taking to God? What are you afraid to show him? Stop it. Helios. Not reactive. It actually says kind, compassionate response. The word they translate says he will forgive. That's a bad idea. Because it's not that. It's Helios. It's non-reactive, secure, kind, empathetic, compassionate response. It's a a God who understands the need behind the behavior. He knew what Mary needed. He knew what her tension was. He spoke to the tension. Will you allow God to speak to your tension? Or will you hide it? Don't be me. I'm good at this. Like we call this, in my practice, we call this the codependent smile. And if you do that like five minutes, your face will start to hurt. And I, I, I did that for years. Smile, <laughs> I'll smile all the way through it. It's good. It's good. Cover up. Cover up. Not talk to people. Keep people at a distance. That's not what Martha did. Her blessing was she experienced Helios. Her curse was she was in the midst of her own tension. She didn't know what to do. Do I clean? Do I sit? Do I clean? Do I sit? I don't know. And in her tension, she moved to accusation and judgment because that's what we do. When I'm tense and I'm not going to take responsibility for my stuff, then I'm going to accuse you and categorize you and judge you. And really the problem is here. I'm just saying. But I contend that these two women understood something that we don't always understand so well either. That they understood that being beloved and belovedness, that quality that God gives us when he chooses us, implies a relationship with him that lasts forever. There's a place in Romans where Romans, uh, Paul's trying to make a point about love. And he, and he says something that I read two ways. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. No thing can separate us from the love of God. Once you're beloved, you're not ugly anymore. And it's forever. You're not ugly anymore. And you're only ugly in your own eyes. You're not ugly in Jesus' eyes. And he wants you to stop looking at yourself like you're ugly too. You're not ugly anymore. And what I mean is, even your ugly's not ugly anymore. Because God isn't shocked by it. He's not surprised by it. 
He's not mad at you. He wants you to come. That's why he says, come all ye who are. Weary. He doesn't say, come all the people who are together, got their act in order. That's not what it says. Is that what it says, Tammy? Not what it says. It says, come ye who are weary. Anybody weary? Weary. Weary a little bit. Just a little bit. Anybody heavy laden? Anybody got stuff? Dragging stuff around like, dang, I got, oh man. Mike, I don't even want to talk to you. Don't say hi to me today, man. I got stuff, dude. Got stuff. And sometimes it's big and sometimes it's little. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's school. Sometimes it's my friends. Sometimes it's character. Sometimes it's addiction. Sometimes it's codependency. Sometimes it's impatience. Sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes it's grief. Sometimes it's disease. Anybody got stuff? He says, come. He's Helios to that. I remember we were preaching in O'Gorman, and I said there, if you were high last night, show up to church today. And God came up to me, and he said afterwards, <laughs> he said, hey, man, I just want to talk to you. I'm like, cool, just talking to him. I'm like, yeah, you came up. Now, you got to know me. I'm introverted, so after I get done here, I really want to talk to you. I'm just being straight up with you. I, I'm tired. Like, I put it all out there. And I'm not that good at little small talk. Like, you about, can I leave now? I'm, that's me. I'm just being straight with you. Like, some of you, hey, JC, and you wonder why. I don't, I'm like, hmm. Because I have no idea how to do it. Like, I don't know how to talk about the weather. It don't work. I, I used to think it was stupid. I don't think it's stupid. I think I'm stupid now. And I'm okay with it. But you got to understand that. So, so he's talking to me. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, dude, I'm glad you came up. But like, make it quick. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Make it quick because I'm exhausted. And so he, he says, hey, man, I just want to ask you a question. Who was you talking to? How did you know I was high last night? <laughs> I said, man, I, I wasn't thinking about you last night. Man. I was thinking about writing this sermon at 3 o'clock in the morning. I wasn't thinking about you. I said, but I was thinking about you because I know that's an excuse that we use. I can't come to church. I, you see how mad I got at my wife yesterday, this morning? Get out of here, dude. Show up. Come. Weary, that's the qualifications. Weary and heavy laden. Come. Be in fellowship with other believers who are just like you. And some of you who walk around pretending you ain't that way, stop it. You show up to church, you you were just screaming at your kid, keep screaming. Because when you, <laughs> hey, how you doing, JC? I'm thinking, that was, that was, that's, no, come on, dude, stop. You know, I remember the first time I experienced that. I'm in seminary. Me and my wife are yicking at each other. My friend Robin came over with his wife. They want to borrow some sugar. Hey, Jay, can we borrow some sugar? And I remember we they, we, they cared enough about us. They, they walked in the door, and we was yelling, and we went to quiet up. He said, no, nah, man, keep fighting, man. I just want some sugar. <laughs> we got some sugar, and we kept fighting. And then he stood by the end, and he said, when you're done, man, I got something I want to say to you both. You guys, we're newlyweds, and we were arguing about some money or something. And then when we got done, he said, I just want to say something, man. We, you guys are about to kill yourself over like $500 or something like that, I heard. He said, when you mortgage three houses, then come talk to me. 
And we was like, what? So we stopped arguing. We said, tell us about that. He said, um, you think you bad with money? I lost three houses, dude. And, and, and you get through it. I'm like, ah. But what I dawned on I me, mean, he was a friend, right? Because we was yicking. And yicking. And if Travis would have showed up, we'd have cleaned it up. Hey, how you doing, Travis? Good to see you, man. Hey, <laughs> And then we're looking at her funny like, don't you say nothing. And we, you know, but, but if Travis is my friend, I'm not cleaning it up. He comes over. He's like, yeah, y'all in it, huh? Yeah. We was at your house yesterday. You was in it. So shut up, man. <laughs> right? We doing that. Right? So it's a relationship. That lasts forever. Come and let Jesus do what he does. And understand that this is a God. We serve a God and we love a God and we're loved. We're beloved by a God who understands the language of grumble. Did you hear what I said? Understands the language of grumble. And some of you grumble out loud. I can't even believe you. I don't know if I believe in God right now. Blah, blah, blah. And some of you like, I would never be like that because I grumble like and I wouldn't let nobody hear me grumble. Like, I don't understand how you can talk like that. God should knock him out. And you grumbling right now. What you talking about? You grumbling about him. You need to stop. You grumbling about him and you all righteous about it. I, I don't even know how he's like that. Stop it. You looking just ugly. He, there's no ugly. He loves you. And understand this. The God that calls us beloved is secure. Now, the truth is none of us know anything about security. I mean, we, we write about it. You can read about what secure people do, but none of you know anything about security. I don't know anything about security. And I get I, I, I got a degree in supposedly understanding attachment to security. I don't know nothing about security. I know the Father does, though. And I know he's Helios. And I know he secures my position. And I know he says no no thing can separate. Once he's got you here, try to get him out of your, try to get yourself out of his hand. How do you do that? He got you here. How are you going to get out? I don't, I don't belong in it. I'm not good enough to be here. Get out there. How's that ring going to get out? Can it spring legs or something? What's it going to do? It's, he got me. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not, not your thoughts, not your behavior. You 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 can renounce some things. You can say I don't I, I don't want it, but God's not going to retract it. Now love may hurt, right? Being real, God's going to be real with you. He's going to say stuff to you that needs to change, and He wants this. And but you're connected forever. Once you say yeah, Jesus, I'm in. I didn't know what I was doing in 1980 and praying up in my bedroom. Dear Jesus, come into my life. I have no idea what this means. I I have some idea about what that means now. See, I thought when I did that, that meant I was supposed to get all my bad stuff out. So I got rid of all my hip-hop and all my bad music. And, and now that was stupid because I missed that music. I got rid of a lot of albums that would be worth something to the hip-hoppers now. Amen? So let me just review. To be beloved happens over time. It can be both simple and complex. It has 
it comes as both a blessing and a curse. And it implies you're in a relationship with the king forever. I'll finish with this and then call the worship team up. Matter of fact, y'all come up while I'm reading. J. Dwight Pentecost used to say, Mercy is God's ministry to the miserable. It is both intensely personal and immensely practical. For when I am, for when I am treated unfairly, God's mercy relieves my bitterness. When I grieve over loss, it relieves my pain and my anger and my denial. When I struggle with disability, it relieves my self-pity. When I endure physical pain, it relieves my hopelessness. And when I deal with being sinful, whatever that is, all the time, it relieves my guilt. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those in Christ. No condemnation. Amen? I'm looking at beloved people. Dear Father, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for Mary and Martha, that it gives us a picture of the way in which you love us and help us to understand that we are beloved by you. And because we are beloved by you, that it will take some time, but you're in it for the long haul, that you're in it forever, that you understand both simplicity and complexity, and that you understand blessing and curse. Be with us as we live this out. Be, be with us as we take this into our daily lives and expose our families and our friends to that. In Jesus' name, amen.